Our gospel reading for today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. I invite you to stand as you are able for the hearing of the gospel. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you join me in prayer? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, as we gather into this time and to this place, Turn out the distractions of our day and our lives so that we may focus entirely upon your words, your peace and your presence, and your hope among us. Guide us to your glorious light so that we may experience your love in this moment. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.
<laughs> Gore, kinda slippery. <laughs> Scrooge! Don't you recognize me? I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Marley, it is you. Ebenezer, remember when I was alive, I robbed the widows and swindled the poor? Yes, and all in the same day. Oh, you had class, Jacob. <laughs> yup. Just no! No! I was wrong! And so as punishment, I am forced to carry these heavy chains through eternity! Maybe even longer! There's no hope! I'm doomed! Doomed! <laughs> and the same thing will happen to you, Ebenezer Scrooge! No! No, it, it can't! It mustn't! Help me, Jacob! Tonight, you will be visited by three spirits. Listen to them. Do what they say, or your chains will be heavier than mine. Farewell, Ebenezer! Whoop. <laughs> Whoop. Farewell! Marley, watch out for that first! Before I get started, I gotta admit, I was laughing at Noah because that's his favorite version of uh, favorite Christmas movie at all time. So he's sitting there going, Ooh. Let me tell you a story. Yes! I'm trying to tell them a story. You can come in later. This is my time. <laughs> they teach you in seminary. You gotta think on your feet. But one, you know, that, that was Noah's favorite Christmas movie. And when we were talking about the series, I'm like, I've got to include that one. So we'll talk a little bit more why in a moment. But Joseph is the man that we know the least about. I think of all the, all the scripture characters and the nativity, I think all of us would admit Joseph is the one we know the least about. That if we had to take a pop quiz, and for those of you who are in my Bible study class, you're getting really scared right now going, oh gosh, what's he going to do now? But if we had to take a little quiz, I guarantee you we wouldn't know much about him. In fact, there's only about 20 or so verses in the Bible that deal with Joseph, and most of them are after-the-fact stories that talk of him in the past tense. And jo Matthew is the only gospel writer to really spend a lot of time with Joseph. Matthew chooses to focus in on his nativity story around Joseph Whereas Luke talks through it with Mary and through Mary's perspective. And we're thankful for both because they give us a way of looking at the story and looking at the wholeness of how everyone perceived and understood that Christ was coming. But what we know of Joseph often comes to us from post or non-canonical books, which means that they're not held to the same authority as our scriptures that we have before us. And in these books, what we gather or what we have seen or read in those books is that Joseph was an older man, likely a widow, probably in his 80s or 70s, and took on Mary as his wife at a, because the community got, asked him to do so when, he, when she was found to be pregnant with the Christ child. I don't necessarily buy that. I think there's more truth within the scripture that affirms some of the cultural perspectives of the time. That is that Joseph was likely someone between 18 to 25 years old, 
which was the standard marrying age for a young boy at that time. He was a carpenter, which meant that he built things like doors and tools and yokes. And he was engaged to this woman named Mary. Now, when we think of the word engagement, we think of someone going on social media and having all their friends together and posting all their 500 photos of their ring and everything else. And then they go and buy the cake and the wet and the, all the flowers. And then they call Alex and I and say, we want to plan a wedding. And I do premarital counseling and all that fun stuff, right? Engagement in that time was a little different. You had weddings that were prearranged which meant mom and dad kind of met with someone else and they arranged your marriage for you. There was no going to match. There was no going online. There was no going to the bars or the classrooms and saying, hey, would you like to go out and get a burger? Your parents arranged your weddings for you. They passed off some, some prices and traded off some things to take to, in the negotiations. And then you were engaged when you reached a certain age. And when you reached that engagement point, when you were betrothed, you were legally binded to one another. And the only way you could break off that, mayor, that contract was to go through a divorce, to go through the process of divorcing one another. And then a marriage would come after a year of that process of engagement, a year or two, and then the wedding would be about a seven-day feast. Not a one-day feast, but a seven-day feast of celebration and partying and rejoicing. Mary and Joseph were in this engagement period, this one-year betrothment, when Mary comes up to Joseph. Now, Joseph is a righteous man, which meant that he was someone who was faithful to the law. He was a relative of King David, which meant that he lived into the promises of David. He was in that line of Davidic secession. He's righteous. He's from a holy family. But yet when Mary came to him, he had some doubts. Mary comes to him and says, Joseph, we've got to talk. I'm pregnant. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes. You've not had any relations with Mary. You're doing everything righteously. And here she comes to your house and saying, I'm pregnant. And I'm not just pregnant by any other means. I'm pregnant because God has come into me and, and I've conceived through the Holy Spirit. Imagine what's going through Joseph's mind right now. Do you think he's buying the story? Would you buy the story? He's a righteous man. He's a faith. He knows that God can do the impossible, but this seems really impossible and maybe even implausible. He's not sure if he can really believe Mary. In fact, he thinks that Mary's lying to him. And so at the end of their conversation, he decides to go home. He's hurting. He loves Mary with all his heart. He wants nothing more than to have a family with Mary and have kids of his own with her. 
but he can't get past the fact that he feels like she cheated on him. He feels betrayed. He feels lonely. He feels lost. But he loves her. He can't feel like he can, he doesn't feel like he can stay with her. And so he decides to divorce her. Now, this isn't like going to the Cabell County Courthouse and saying, I want to get a divorce. And the process of that time meant that you took Mary to the center of the city and to the county gates, and you said, look, she committed an affair against me. She's pregnant with someone else's man, child. Can anyone affirm this? All it would take would be one more person to say, hey, I know this. This is true. You can see she's pregnant. And then she would be stoned right there. And in fact, if they could find the guy who did this, he would be stoned as well. Joseph loved her enough to know he did not want to do that to her. And so he decides he's going to break it off quietly which means he's just going to run away. And when she is showing to be pregnant, he's going to be the bad guy. He's going to be the jerk. He's going to be the scumbag in the lowest of the low. He's going to be the one who can never get married again. He's resolved to do this, and I can imagine him going home that night before telling Mary what he's decided to do and just feeling dejected with the world and angry with the world. Perhaps like that famous character of Scrooge and Ebenezer Scrooge. The Christmas Carol is one of my favorite stories. And the renditions of A Christmas Carol is some of my favorite things to watch every December. Abby will tell you I've probably watched almost five or six already this year. If you want my perspective, George C. Scott is the best. Henry Winkler is the worst. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you have Peacock, go and watch An American Christmas Carol and text me later and go, oh my gosh, he should never play Scrooge again. I watched that last night and I feel sorry for doing so. But in the story, we find this man who has gone through life. He's had a lot of hard things happen to him. His father abandoned him. His family abandoned him. He made wrong decisions that left people to walk away from him. And he's gotten hardened in his heart because he can't see love any longer. And when we come to the story, he's gotten to the point where he's just so angry at the world and angry at himself that he's about ready to fire his one good clerk and abandon his uncle, his nephew. And so we find him, perhaps maybe like good old Uncle Scrooge in the version we watched a little bit ago, going to home and sitting by the fire and reflecting on how his life got to this point. How did my life get to where I'm at right now? Maybe Joseph is doing the same thing. How did my life get to this? This is not why I envisioned of my life. And then all of a sudden, there's a vision and a dream. 
In the Christmas Carol, Scrooge is visited by his old business partner of Jacob Marley, who tells him that he will be visited by three ghosts who will reveal to him about what life is really about and what grace is really about. They come and meet him at his place of deepest need to reveal something to him about God. Joseph, in the same way, gets a dream. Joseph, like his Old Testament ancestor of namesake of Joseph, receives dreams that reveal something of God's presence. And in fact, in the Matthew story of Joseph, we have four dreams that reveal something about God's desires for Joseph and the Holy Family. This is just one of them. And these dreams reveal God's character and they reveal God's message. And in this dream, he's experiencing a divine messenger, an angelic being who comes into him. His dream and announces something of God. Now, when we think of angels, we're starting to think of winged characters with halos and stars over their heads and all this. The angels in scripture are often, they look like you and me. They're messengers that come and just talk. It's never the the angel that scares the living daylights out of people. It's the message of God that scares the living daylights. And this messenger comes to, to Joseph with a message. Do not be afraid. You can take this child as your own. You can take this child and trust in what Mary is saying because this child is the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Anointed One. And Matthew adds a little bit of extra commentary to it by quoting in Isaiah 7:14 by saying, He is Emmanuel, God with us. And the angel says, You will name this child Jesus. And his very name reveals to us what Jesus is going to do. His name reveals that God saves. In the dream, Joseph receives the message of what this child is all about. This child who's the anointed one, the one that was promised to his family, the one who comes as the living witness of God's presence in a broken and hurting world, the one who comes to point God's light to us all the one who comes to save every person and love every person. Joseph is given a dream and a responsibility to be the caretaker for the Christ child. He's given a new hope. When he wakes up, Scrooge that is, when he wakes up after that third vision from the ghost of Christmas future. He wakes up as a new person. He's still resolved to do business. He's still resolved to live life, but in a new way. And he goes and makes amends for all the things he has done. He goes to Cratchit and gives him a a raise. He goes to his family and takes care of them. He goes to his nephew and says, I'm never going to leave you alone. His life has changed as a result of what happened in that dream. Joseph in the same way. He wakes up still resolved. He wakes up still determined and righteous in God, but in a new way. 
He's committed to Mary. He's going to raise that child as his own. He's going to be willing to let go of the pride of having that firstborn son be his own because he knows who that child is going to be. He raises that child, protects that child, cares for that child, gets that child out of danger when Herod tries to kill him, takes him to Egypt, and then takes him into Nazareth all to protect this baby as his own. He responds to the message of Christmas and lives a new way. See, throughout these stories, God acts and God is present in all of their lives. It is God who is the divine actor in each of these stories. It is God who is the actor in the drama of Joseph's life and in Mary's life. But God's action requires a response upon those who have heard the message. Faith is never just sit back and let it watch and let it happen. The Christmas story and the story of Advent is not one where we sit back and hope and pray that somebody will do something about it. When we have heard God speak and God announced that the Christ is coming and the Christ will come again, like Joseph, like Scrooge. It calls us to respond in a new way. To respond by sharing the light of Christ and the hope of Christ into our world. So in this Advent season, this time of waiting, we don't wait by just sitting on our hands and hoping for someone else to share the story. We wait by sharing hope with those who are hurting, for those who are left behind or ignored in society. We share joy, peace by perhaps finding the places of division in our families, in our homes, in our society, and saying, where can the peace of Christ heal us? We share joy by finding places to offer gratitude and appreciation to those who are doing good things for God. We share love by being committed to one another and remembering that we are all children of God and people of worth. We anticipate the Christmas story by being actors in the Christmas story. And as Joseph was resolved to live a new way, may we be resolved to live with the story of hope and peace and joy and love and give witness to others because of what Christ has done and what Christ will be doing. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for divine messages that come to our lives and how you call us to act upon the Christmas story. Help us to do so now in our lives and in our church. Through Christ we pray. Amen.